Thank you. And George, welcome. It's your big debut tonight. Woohoo! <laughs> so, ready, Padre. You look ready. I mean, you were ready last week already, but yeah, I totally agree with that. George, I'm reminded last week, Barbara Rose just hit us off with her spectacular debut in Rewind. And it's like the, the template at which she set, Barbara Rose asked her to pray. And I've got so many people who talked about your opening prayer. And I just want to acknowledge the gift you are. And as broken as you are, that's a perfect gift anyone could give each other because it's the death. That's where the life comes. That's where the, it shines brightly. And you, my friend, hit the mark. Thank you, Padre. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Me too. And Barbara Rose, how are you doing tonight? I think I'm all in the heights. It's hard to be grounded right now. Amen. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. We're happy you're here. You know, Barbara Rose, you had a week now to assimilate what you taught, and I love what you brought in. To, to me, it was like the footsteps of Jesus or his journey, because actually this return is actually, I in my world, more of a series on entering into that place as Jesus did during, I call it the Lenten season in the Christendom and how you prepared your talk. Once you did it, in a sense, spoke it through, what was your feeling on your talk last week? What, as you reflect back on it, what, what's the highlight that you felt the Holy Spirit just illuminated? Well, as you know, I get in my own way. <laughs> and Me too. By, by the end, I thought I finally surrendered so that in the closing prayer, I just allowed spirit to, to pray through me. And that was such a learning because I tend to over-prepare for these talks. And then the other gift that I received was remembering past Lenten seasons and things that happened. And that came through different morning meditations through some of the scriptures. And I found myself singing some old tunes that I thought were pretty schmaltzy when I used to sing them. <laughs> but they came out like, lose yourself in me and you will find yourself. And it's, it's, it's so beautiful. But I'm finding that things are getting dredged up and seeing in, seen in a new light. I agree with that. And your analogy is perfect. Likewise, myself, being a person of Lent, going within, that these days for me are very rich. And I reflect on past talks as yours, but it also reminded me of our, my own journey and where it is today and the gratefulness that I have that, like each of us, those who are tuned in tonight and last week, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making a commitment to hearing the gospel in a different way apply to our lives. And hopefully it, it unrolls or un, unfolds tonight, even in George's talk, that we really hear the heart of the father, the heart of the mother, the Holy Spirit, as, as she welcomes us into a deeper walk, a different place for each other. But as I was preparing with Renee praying this evening, just felt holy presence just fill my atmosphere my home and our intention also is to allow that grace to fill your home fill your relationships let it become the dwelling place of the lord so if we can be the rabbi the priest the nun the guru that ushers us into that place in prepared for the three days, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, that these can have an earmark on each of us because the presence shows up in each of these dimensions. If we allow, if we allow that listening heart, listening ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So as we prepare and Renee prepared, let me open up this session with an opening prayer for all of us and specifically open it up this prayer for wherever you're at, whether you're in, at work, in your car, in your home, at work, doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit just wants and 
desires to fill that space right along with us. So with that invocation, come Holy Spirit. As you become a dwelling place in this atmosphere called my home, my inner temple, may your presence birth in each of us a grace and anointing and openness of being remembered as a son and a daughter. O birther of life, sweep over our souls tonight in this holy moment, in this place of refuge, as your abiding love fills like a container of water and begins to pour her presence in your body, in our spirit, as we become one of like-minded beings. Father, release your ministering angels continually through this talk and this experience tonight. And as we rest in your presence, let the miracles happen. Let the shift begin. Let the door open to our hearts and be in remembrance of our past, our present, but also our future. So Holy Spirit, as you dwell and as you speak through George and Barbara Rose and myself, may this holy moment manifest in your healing presence. Amen. Well, I love my brother, George. Would you usher us into a new, a second in a series of three tonight, George? Thank you, Padre. I would like to say, first and foremost, thank you for being my spiritual shepherd. You and the bishops continue to guide me deeper and deeper. And I continue to know God more and more. And I'm so grateful, really so grateful. So when I uh, first got the email, <laughs> right, and I had seen it coming, right? I had seen it coming for a while. And the email comes in and I read it and I look. And in true confession, I had two reactions. One was, I really don't know anything about Lent. <laughs> and the second thing was, does Padre know that my mom is dying? And if anybody here on the call, I mostly are, are my family, but if anybody doesn't know, beginning in early last year, my mom began her transition and she, she passed away on February 10th. So today is March 10th. So my talk was scheduled one month to the day. So if anybody's in question of Padre tapping into that flow and seeing that, and then when I said to my partner, I says, I really don't know anything about Lent. And he says, well, you read the Bible, didn't you? He says, it's Jesus 40 days in the desert where he was tempted by the devil. And I was like, and because I was so in my stuff, I put everything aside. And then when I, after my mom passed, I started to work on things and I started to look. I realized that this period I have been in the desert and that's exactly what my talk is. So the title of my talk is Pause. And how do you get to a pause? A pause is a result of a crisis. I've been in my second Saturn return. <laughs> Saturn, the Lord of Karma, wake up call, time to grow up. A crisis that puts you face to face with your fears and awareness of our mortality. And so this is, this is the Chinese symbol for crisis, and it's two characters, danger and opportunity. You know, an event that will lead to a dangerous situation, that's the obvious in the crisis. But the second piece, the opportunity, is one that we don't often tune into. This opportunity for growth, for expansion, for being more because of this experience. So everything had been unraveling in my life for quite a while. <laughs> My relationship, my job, I um, did the process 
And for those of you who have done the process, <laughs> I was talking with my godson several times recently, and he says, the veil is lifted, and then what? And that's exactly it. It's like, all of a sudden, you see all this stuff, and then it's like, so what do I do with all of this? In the middle of all this, my mom had a seizure. And I had been knowing that she was dying for well over two years, easily. A lot of my work in FSD is, why won't I look at what's in front of me? Why won't I look at what's coming up? Not why can't I? I can, but why won't I look? And uh, I remember talking with Plumman after class saying, I'm getting the sense that my mom is getting ready to transition. And he says, yeah, it's coming up, but it's a ways down. Plumman was my level six teacher. I'm in level eight. So I was already seeing that far ahead that this was coming. And so because of the pandemic, my job went on hiatus, right? Everything shut down and I was able to come down. When, when I got down here, I'm, she's in a little beach town about 25 miles north of San Diego. She was very, very close to death. I mean, days. And in this process, and this was about a, a 10 month process that this, this took. In those 10 months, about three times, she went right to the edge and then pulled back and right to the edge and pulled back. And then in the last week, the very same thing happened. Three times where she went really close and then pulled back. So my mom dying was my baptism of fire. This had been long on my radar. I had been seeing this, like I said, for quite a while. Very, very close relationship with my mom. She was 16 when she got pregnant with me. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we grew up together. My dad was a heroin addict, a mess. And so I feel that role, even though that was very unhealthy and not a great thing. But of course, as I do this work, I understand more and more that she and I have danced many times as many different combinations, but just this one, she was mother and I was son. And I say this not from a, like, oh, uh, you know, not from that place, but this experience over the past 10 months has been the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life, without question. So I've been in the desert for the last 10 months. This experience had challenged me on every level. I have a brother, two years younger, that my mother and I had not seen for 23 years. And a year ago, he knocked on her door and showed up and we broke the ice for a couple of months and all of a sudden we're in this process of my mom dying. Reconnecting and reacquainting and walking through this. My mom was completely resistant to her death. So when I came down in that first week, everybody cried and there was a little woo, woo, woo. And then for the rest of the time, she did not want to talk about death at all. If we brought it up, she would get up and walk out of the room. But we initiated hospice right away and the chaplain, wonderful woman, says, I can't get her to talk about death at all. I said, no, it's she just and I wanted this kumbaya, this let's all love and let me you know, help you. And she was having none of it until the last two weeks. And then all of a sudden she wanted to talk about death. And she says to me, she says, you know, I think people's problem is they just don't want to talk about death. She also pushed all of my buttons. The truth is this was like doing the process all over again. My sister-in-law says she put all those buttons in you, so of course she knows where they are. And again, I wanted this sweet experience, but I don't know if it's because I'm the firstborn because we we're so close, but she just drove and drove and drove. Lists and lists and we've got to do this. Brother, chop down the tree. I mean, we got to make a quilt for your brother. All of these things, anything, but look at what was happening right in front of her, right? And even hospice really pushed back. And the hospice was the same hospice that took care of my stepdad, Lou, the same nurse, this wonderful, sweet Christian woman, Chris, loved Lou, loved my mom, just really, really beautiful. 
but all along they just they just fought us all the way. Two weeks before my mom died, they would come. She would come every week, and two weeks in a row, she said to me, "I don't see that your mom is dying. She's not dying right now." And of course, I was like, "I'm looking and seeing and trying to understand." But the problem was that I thought I knew how this was going to go, how, when. I even said I had a session with Bobby and I told Bobby, I go, my mom's dying. And he looks and he goes, doesn't look tight until about six or seven months. Looks like she's gonna wait until after the first of the year. And I thought he was crazy. And of course, now in retrospect, this is just amazing how it totally turned out to be. Very, very strong, independent woman, did all she could to hold on to that independence, right? But the truth was, and she had two aneurysms, so definitely brain issues, but the truth was she starved herself to death. And by the time she died, she was about 65 pounds. She was about five, 10 and a half, almost 5'11". So not a little tiny, right? There towards the end, she couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom and had to put the commode next to her and I would have to lift her up and she was just bones. And my brother or sister-in-law would pull down her diaper and she would, so watching this, watching her disappear in front of my eyes, this was being in the desert. And so all throughout this, I kept getting to these places where I just realized I don't know anything. And it's really important because you can't get to the pause if you think you know. I thought I knew when she was going to die. I thought I had power over how this was going to happen. There was her will, my will, God's will. The truth was being in the desert made me break down and break open and realize that I did not know anything. And so, of course, in talking about what we're talking about in this Lenten season, Jesus was in this reverse trajectory to us. So we are in our humanity trying to access our divinity. It's really the whole arc of my talk. Jesus was the opposite. He knew his divinity. He was born with his destiny. He was raised by people who understood his mission. Mary understood his mission. His mother understood Angels were coming and telling her what was going on. Joseph understood his mission. The angel came and said, yeah, she's pregnant. No, it's not yours. It's the Holy Spirit's, right? About Herod, same thing. There's a king. He's going to kill. You got to get up and move. Your son is precious. He understood Jesus's divinity. When he was lost in Jerusalem, lost in the temple, Right? Imagine your kid being lost for days and they found him. And what did he say? Where would I be but in my father's house? He understood his divinity, but he was also part human and he had to walk the walk. He had to be baptized. And, you know, we love this part, right? The, the heavens opened and the spirit descended like a dove, my beloved, in whom I'm so well pleased. We love that part. But all three Gospels right after that say, and Spirit said, go to the desert, right? He had to go to the desert. He had to be broken open. He had to break down. He had desires. He was part human. He had to face temptation, right? You're hungry. These stones, you can turn them to bread. Jump off here. It's been written that the angels will come and save you. All of this. Do you want this? He had to face his temptation. He had to, to meet it head on and be broken down and broken open during this time. Because I was here 24 hours the whole time. And at about the two-week mark, I would get to where I was like going crazy. And so my brother and sister-in-law who live about 20 minutes away would come and stay for a couple of days and I would go. And several times I went to the desert, to Anza Borrego, which is beautiful California desert. We used to camp there when I was young. 
Have you been to the desert? <laughs> it's really, really hot. It was 108 degrees. There's no trees. There's no shade. No bathrooms. You're wiping yourself with a leaf. That's what the, <laughs> the reality of his experience in the desert. And fasting, I've been fasting for the last two weeks, every day until sundown. And then every two, three days go 24 hours plus. Right now I haven't eaten since Monday. So fasting's hard. <laughs> the desert's hard. Together they were out of this world. And so my point is, it's not easy to take a step. If I look all shiny to you, I want you to know that I've been in the desert and not like, oh, I've been in the desert. I want you to know that I've just walked through the hardest thing that I've ever walked through. And Padre and the bishops, they all model this for us. I've seen Padre stumble, acknowledge, and then tap up. I've known Bobby for maybe 15 years, 16 years, Dana 17. And in the last six months, both of them, I have seen them broken open in a way that I've never seen them before. I had to be broken open. And I went from crisis to the desert, to being broken open, to realizing that I knew nothing at all. And there, is the pause. Crisis, desert, broken open, I know nothing, and there is the pause. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of all this chaos, being broken open, didn't know what to do, that's when the call was to be, to pause and be in stillness. What is my creator color? What vibration am I at? Have I dropped? Am I in my 11th? Where's my grounding? Where is source? Where is God? This, right? This, my vows, my faith. This is little us and big everything. But it's with this that we face hardship with faith, leaning into our commitments into our spiritual walk. It's the same thing that Jesus did when he was tempted. What, did, what was his response? His response was the word, scripture. And all the time, all the time he knew that the cross was there from the beginning. It was always hanging there in his space. Faith. Forwarding all issues to heaven. Because in the end, it gets to a place where you just have to surrender them up. You just have to turn them over. Because there's nothing that we can do. The last three days of her life, she went into a comatose state. She did not move. Her eyes were open, but like glazed over. And she literally did not move. It was just the breathing. And I'm fascinated by three days and the three days of the <laughs> crucifixion. I mean, the parallels in all of these just, just blow me away. But at the end, in those days, I saw that it was between her and God. Everything had fallen away. All we, none of us mattered. The house, the, everything had fallen away. And it was only her and God. So the last hours, I laid on the bed and I had my hands on her and I told her that I loved her and prayed for her and said, forgive me. I forgive you. Wanted her to go to the light. She was having none of it. <laughs> and so uh, I moved to a chair by the bed and uh, I moved to a chair by the bed. And I had asked my guides, I said, if it's a line, I'd like to be here when this happens, right? My brother and my sister-in-law are asleep. They'd moved into the last week because it was just crazy in 24 hour. 
had all my beads on, had my <laughs> candles going, was doing everything to invoke presence. And so I felt the energy in the room start to shift. And my guide said, it's time. And so I got up and I, I stood next to the bed and I just opened up the space. Miriam had shared with me a piece just like three days before a download she got and she goes, I'm just seeing for you to open the space horizontally and this compassionate piece. And so I'd been doing it. And then, then I totally just went and opened it up because the truth of all of this, what I've been sharing with you, crisis to the desert, to being broken open, to I don't know anything, to be still and know, know what? The I am presence. I am that I am that I am. And so I stood there in front of this woman who I came into the world through. And I thought how ironic that she was there when I came in and I'm going to be here while she's going out. And I saw her chest. It went from this breathing to just this little, little breathing right here. Right? Little, 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 little. And the energy in the room is like rising. And then that stops. And her mouth, which had not moved in three days, did this little. And then her jaw opened and closed. And she was gone. And I told Bobby, I said, it felt like she crawled all the way to the end, Bobby. That she fought. She went kicking and screaming. And he says, well, he says, yeah, he says, but then God just came and swooped her up and said, it's time to come home. So I went and I, I, I woke my brother and my sis, sister-in-law and I called my Nina. She came right away. We called hospice. I called the coroners. I anointed her body with frankincense. And about two weeks before she died, she she insisted she needed new slippers. And so I ordered her slippers. And there were these moccasins with this white filling, this white fur inside that she just loved. She told my sister-in-law, she says, I love my moccasins. She says, I want to be cremated in my moccasins. So my brother and I, we put these moccasins on her, on her feet. But the truth, the truth is, she was no longer there. This was just the body. I have been never more sure of Dana's meat popsicle <laughs> than from what I just walked through. It's a car. It's a car we, we get in and we drive for a while. And we are, we are so sure that we're this. We're so attached to this, this body, this mind, our ideas of what we think of how it should be and who did what and he said this and he shirt me and, but we're not this body. And coroner came, wrapped her in a shroud very lovingly. She was so light. He says, can I just put her on? Said, sure. I stood right there and watched the whole thing and wheeled her out. But again, the presence that was her left while I was standing next to that bed. And so what I really want to leave you with is that whatever crisis you're going through, and I have gotten so many calls in the last little while just of people truly there, truly there, you're being prepared to go into the desert. And there you will be broken open. You will break down because it's not easy to take a step. And being broken open and breaking down will take you to that place where you realize I don't know anything. 
And that moment right there is the pause. That moment is when you be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know the I am presence. I am presence. That's the pause. So I'm going to ask Padre and Barbara Rose a couple of questions relating to our talk here. <laughs> Barbara Rose, they're saying you're first. <laughs> Padre likes that. <laughs> you just have to unmute yourself, Barbara Rose. She's in the desert. <laughs> she is. I think we're all in the desert, honestly. So Barbara Rose, can you remember a time in your life that felt like you were in the desert and how did that affect your walk with God? First, George, I would like to thank you for opening my heart and expanding me way beyond where I was before you spoke. Thank you. Yes, I didn't know at the time, but I realized last night that I had 40 years in a desert. When I left the convent, I had one little box. It was about the size of a five by seven card box. And in it, I had little treasures. A couple of days ago, I found this little treasure. I don't know if it shows at all. Yeah. 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 And this is, it says on the outside with the rose, Listen, my faithful children, open up your petals like roses planted near running waters. It's from scripture. And on the back, I had the date 6-20-1971, Catherine Coleman. I was living in San Diego and I was part of a charismatic prayer group and the group went to one of her sessions in Los Angeles. And she brought me up on the stage. I was in my habit. <laughs> I was sick with mystery sickness. And George reminded me last night of Catherine, she would start all of her programs, which I never saw. I just had the one meeting with her in person, which, but he said it started with, I believe in miracles. Yes. <laughs> and so there I was on the stage in my habit, in my Saturn return, late twenties. <laughs> and she put her hands on me and I wrote the words on this card. Lord Jesus, this body will be set apart for your glory. A few years before that, I had, I was teaching seventh grade at Holy Name School in San Francisco, and this was in the late 60s. It was hippie time, and it was so we had a lot of hippies around in the area. We were right on the edge of Golden Gate Park. And we took a weekend away to a vacation house at, I forget the name of the, oh, Russian River. We went up to the Russian River and there were six of us. We came back and I had a bite on my right calf. And I thought it was a spider bite, but it really hurt a lot. And it had a, a, a bullseye around it, a lot of red. And I went to the doctor and he said, oh, this is just a tick bite. It's not a spider bite. I'll, he took the tick out. Now this is before Lyme, Connecticut, actually before that word was used with the disease for the bites. So they knew nothing at that point about these tick bites. But from that moment, I, I, before that I was fully alive. I was very creative. I loved my teaching. Little by little, I was getting tired, exhausted. I would have cycles where I had to go to bed. I thought I was getting the flu. Sometimes I would go to the school office and say, I, you know, I just don't feel well. And they'd say, you're as white as a sheet, go home and go to bed. And that went on for many, many years. I was diagnosed, that was supposed to be a spider bite. Then I was getting the flu all the time. Then they said, oh, you have Epstein-Barr virus. You have fibromyalgia. You have candidiasis, candida. You have 
The last one was environmental illness, which is chemical allergies and allergic allergies. Now, all of these things I didn't realize were all related to, they masquerade as Lyme disease, but I had no idea of that. I lost my friends. I can remember sitting at the table once for lunch. I, I couldn't even engage in the conversation. And when I looked at them, I said, I, I, I couldn't smile. I couldn't do anything. And they said, you know, it's really hard to be with you because you're not the same person. I finally took time. I was in formation work. I had just one novice at the time. And I asked for a weekend off. And then I asked for a week off. And then I asked for a month off. Then I asked for the summer off because nothing, nothing really helped. And I thought I was dying. They couldn't really do anything for me. They thought all, they worked with the diagnoses. One point with the candidiasis, they gave me nystatin and they could only put a pinhead in water. And I still, the reaction was off the wall. And the last straw was when I was in the mother house for mass and I had to leave and I thought I was gonna jump out a window. And they traced it to chemicals that were being used to clean the radiant heat in the heating system in the chapel. All of these things led me to psychotherapy, acupuncture. I did dream work analysis. I did everything that I could. I got all the latest massage type things, Reiki. Now the good side of it was people taught me what they were doing on me. That's when I got acknowledged that I had healing ability. I also heard a talk by Ron Roth in Los Angeles that made me realize that's what I wanted to do someday was to do the work he was doing. So there were positive things. But finally, my doctor said after the chapel incident, she said, I think you need to take a leave of absence. She said, the environmental illness may be the environment you're living in. And so I took a year off with the blessing of my Jesuit spiritual director. I said, this is all I ever wanted my whole life was to, to be a sister of mercy. And I don't want to leave, but they're telling me this. And he said, God doesn't always lead us away from something, but toward something else. Mm. So he had me start praying. I still worked with him, praying about what is God leading me to? And now God was leading me to my relationship with my husband, my CLM and FSD communities, to being my true self. I felt my call was real, but God had another call. Mm -hmm. As Mother Teresa said about her second call, it's a call within a call. And I know that now I am living the call that I was always supposed to be living. I never let go of God. I wrote down a couple of scriptures that I prayed with during those years. In my weakness is your strength. You must increase, I must decrease. And the one that I said, the song, lose yourself in me and you will find yourself. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single grain. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. So in looking back, Catherine Coleman was right. This body, this embodiment in this lifetime has gone through healings, near-death experiences, profound healings, and it's still happening. And this is, this is what I'm here to witness, 40 years in the desert, which I didn't realize was a desert until last night. <laughs> so... <laughs> This was, this was my 40 years like the Israelites. So thank you for witnessing. And I powerful. am so grateful to be in this community. So powerful. When we were talking last night, you said that it wasn't until Brazil that you got healed from this, right? Right. Yes. When I went to Brazil, I, I found out that I had Lyme disease after I married my husband. We, we had a smell in our bathroom and I was getting sick and nobody else could smell anything. And then we had a man fix the washing machine and he said, do you know that you have black mold underneath your washing machine? And we had to have that wall taken out, the floor taken out, the whole bathroom redone. I went to my chiropractor who had been working with me 
thinking I had environmental illness. And she said, your reaction is like that of someone with Lyme. And so she sent me to her doctor and I was off the wall, off the chart, and I had Lyme all along. He said, it masquerades as all those other things that you are saying. And I, Dana sent me to Brazil. He took me out of level four in, in 2011. I said, you have to go to Brazil and get healed. And I stepped out of the taxi from the airport right outside the Posada. And I felt like a magnet pull something out through my feet into the earth. And I was free. The Lyme disease and all the symptoms. I stayed for six weeks. Everything had gone. So beautiful. That was a miracle. So beautiful. And what impressed me most about this is the time that it took from the beginning. We're talking the 60s, right? Until 2011. You know, we're such a instant gratification society and we want things even with God. Where's it, God? Is it going to happen? Sometimes you're in the desert for 40 years and that was the path because your vocation was clear and it was true in the beginning, but the path through the desert led you to where you are right now. I just, so beautiful. I'm so really touched by that. Really, really touched. Thank you for sharing that. Welcome. Audrey, do we have time for one more quick question? Sure. Okay. So this is for you. Can you remember a time in your life when a crisis brought you to your pause moment? Mm. (laughs) Pretty much so, yes. And I want to acknowledge Barbara Rose's desert experience and love the correlation of the 40 years. And and, and again, going out of the country in order to find your healing, not knowing that's where you're going to discover it. So there are many ways of how God can maneuver us to that place. And as you well, well, well said, George, is I don't know anything. You just got to follow what's in front of you step by step. For me to experience what I didn't know, and it was with Ron's death, it was a three-year process that I made a commitment to with Celebrating Life. I told Teresa and Roger and our board that I'm going to step away and I'm going to care for him. I, and my impression was, well, we'll go about three, four months and then Ron will be well and we can continue on in ministry, which did not happen. You know, Ron recovered and we got to travel, we got to do things, but it was a slow process of his death, which to me was like three years. And as I can relate so well to yours, George, you get wore down, you get broken, you go, when's this going to end? And I'm talking about my beloved Ron, which I love dearly, and so did thousands of other people. And it's like, I didn't have anything left in me. Everything was drained. I remember doing all the rituals, which I love. I'm I'm a devotional person. And I did everything expecting this to happen. And it was like, it was just a slow descent. And I thought I knew. (laughs) I thought I was a favorite of God, so he could answer my prayers so Ron could continue living, but it wasn't the case. And so I, I remember getting depressed <laughs> because I'm stuck now. I made a commitment, all those things that I would never leave aside, but I knew I would like change, but I couldn't verbalize that. It was just, it was an inner war in my spirit. And I remember the, the time when I decided that I needed a break I actually needed one and made a plan for caregivers to come in and take care of Ron. And I went away for a week to a healing conference. And I was such a broken piece of whatever. It was just, I was, I just wanted more of God because what I was experiencing was death, death to me part. And I didn't know I was the one dying. (laughs) I was trying to help the person to die. And I had miraculous experiences there. And it was one of the first times I got stuck to the floor for three hours. Wow. You know, and that was agonizing because I had to face all my fears, my joy, my anger, my resentment. I was so cold. I was so warm. I mean, the gamut happened in me. But yet when I returned back from this conference, I had a fresh and a renewed spirit 
And it was only because I recognized I had to be broken. And I'm like you trying to be the strong person, trying to honor what that my beloved wanted because you just want to please and be willing to serve God in the process. So that experience was hard. And I know many of you are listen, who's listening to this program, you are going through a similar experience, maybe with a parent, maybe with a child, maybe with a spouse. We're all being touched and maneuvered or positioned to, I hate to say it, to be broken. And yes. it's like, how many times do I have to be broken? I'm sure I could hear your little voice, uh, George. And it, how interesting today, I got a return card. It was your card that I send condolences and it came back because it's the wrong address. No, it's ah. not. This, this circle just keeps going back and forth because I did want to acknowledge your mother's death and just who you are, George, because even though it was hard, you made it in your spirit that you decided we're going to enter into this place of what God says is holy. And which means we got to drop everything that we know. I know nothing. It's a perfect prayer. Absolutely perfect prayer. So kudos to you, George, for setting the tone and opening people's hearts for tonight's message, but also the prayers that follow. Thank you, Padre. And thank you for sharing your your humanity with us, because that's really the, that's what we understand is that we're all going through this. And when you get to that point where you just, you know, that same, like, well, when will this end? Or how many times do I have to be broken until, I mean, look at 40 years, right? There, there is no, it's until God says no more. So what a beautiful testimony. Be still and know I am the Lord. I am sure most of you are experiencing something very deep inside that the Lord is calling. The Lord is in remembrance of your prayer, your journey. Maybe you're taking care of children, a mother, a grandmother, a spouse, maybe an ex-spouse, maybe even some pet that there's an inner dwelling that we pray, we desire, we desire change, we pray for change, but there's a resistance, just as George mom had a resistance. And to hold us up in this place of the embrace of God, just as George experienced, Barbara Rose experienced, I have experienced, you have experienced at times, it's that embrace that we have to follow the unknown to the edge which forces us to let go. To me, that's your prayer, my prayer tonight. I really sense the Holy Spirit is uh, quickening our hearts and we're becoming, we're becoming aware of our own patterns of prayer or manipulation or an, a consciousness that wants to know what's next. And God says, but I am here. I am your dwelling place. I am your peace. I am their peace. If we connect in prayer tonight, and I know we're doing that right now, I really sense the Holy Spirit and the angels around us. That's let's enter into this place of the abode, the great I am presence. So if I could ask Barbara Rose to lead us in prayer, and then George also follow, and then I will conclude with prayer. But we're going to go to the depth of the heart of the mother, the father tonight. And for answer prayer for you and those you're praying for. So Reverend Barbara Rose, would you lead us in prayer? Beloved Holy One, thank you for trusting us with this embodiment in this life. For trusting us to go through the desert experiences, knowing that you are always with us. Thank you for showing us how to listen. One of the cards that fell out of my box was from a high school teacher. It was a quote from a Psalm. I will instruct you and teach you the way to go. Thank you for being my direct light 
for shining that light, showing me through the pain, through the suffering, through the sickness, through the losing of my vocation, through the losing of friends. Thank you for always being there. And I pray that gift for everyone here on this call, the gift of a listening heart. Open your heart, open your ears, so that you may hear the truth, so that you may know the next step, so that you may let go of wanting and needing to know and to be in charge. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us. Thank you, all of our guides and angels, for supporting us. Thank you, the heavenly realms of saints, ascended masters, for showing us the way. We are one. We move as one. We grow as one. We love as one. Thank you for releasing duality, duplicity, all the splits, so that together, every day, we can listen one step at a time, pausing, moving forward, surrendering, pausing, opening, always toward the light, for we already have heaven with us. We've never left. And like George's mom, we want to let go of all resistance so that we can slip right out of these bodies, these temples of the Holy Spirit, and into the light when our time is up on this level. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God, for everything. Amen. Oh, Father. From the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for all the deserts in my life, for all the times you've led me on a path that I didn't think was right and didn't, wasn't sure. And I questioned you and I doubted you. And the times that I lost faith and lost focus. Thank you for carrying me through for never turning away from me, for always loving me, for always showering your grace on me, grace upon grace upon grace. Thank you for the strength and the courage to walk this path. I ask now for every single person on this call who's listening now or will listen in the future, who's walking that same path, who has doubts, who feels like maybe they can't get through the next day, the next night. Make yourself known to them. Abba, show yourself to them. Reveal yourself. Blessed Mother, come. Thank you, Blessed Mother, for holding us so gently, and so lovingly. Thank you, Jesus, for being the way shower of willing to come, take on a body, and walk before us. And all that you were willing to sacrifice, we honor that. We honor that as we dig in and celebrate this time leading up to when you gave and atoned for us. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. Come now, fill every room, fill every heart, open our hearts, blossom our hearts, soften us so that we are more able to allow you to come in and do what you will. We don't know what the next step is, but you do. 
That was your promise. So we lay it all on the altar to you, offering it up saying, this is all yours. I am yours. I give myself to you. Show me the way. Thank you, Bob. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Prayers are just flowing from the Spirit tonight. And I know each of you are experiencing your own dimension of humility, um, possibility, surrender. I really sense the Holy Spirit's work among us. And as each of us can identify with any part of these teachings, these sharings, your own journey, whether it's in pain, the body, or it's in a relationship, or it's just being of service to one another, the Holy Spirit wants to use this as a template, as a, a way of a mirror of first looking at ourselves, but also what the divine can do. And tonight, during this prayer time, just place your hand on your heart if you're not doing that already. And just allow this grace, the mother's love, the father's strength, the father St. Joseph, who knows what his family is experiencing. Rest on us. Arrest us. Help us to go through the eye of the needle to let go of our control. I just really sense the spirit of pain. I break its hold over people's bodies, relationships, finances, in the name of Yeshua. Come, Holy Spirit. The spirit of cancer, I break its grip over bodies and souls now through the name of Jesus. For people who are in hospice, I just break the spirit of death in the name of Jesus over your loved ones, over your concerns, and let the freedom, the love of God, the mercy of God, the mercies of God begin to penetrate now and just change the atmosphere, change the heart of the person back to the father, to the mother. I thank you, O Lord of God, for those who are in the hospitals or in the care centers or in the rehab right now. We know a couple people who are in that place. And Father, just release your ministering angels. Strengthen them. Renew them. Restore them. Even those who have a difficulty comprehending what's going on in their lives. And that could be from a 90-year-old to a 20-year-old or the 5-year-old. Doesn't matter. It's your children, God's children, your children, your parents, your grandkids. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the positioning of the angels right now. Thank you, O Lord, our God, for great grace and people who are experiencing loss, whatever that is. This might be loss of focus. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one or an opportunity, a job that you almost had but you don't have anymore. I just say thank you, God, for that release right now in the name of Jesus, that the power of God's love, the mercies of God, just overtake you. Thank you, O Lord, our God, for great grace. Supernatural encounters with the Holy of Holies, like Barbara Rose, like George, myself, and even you. We pray as a ministry every day for all those needs who are written in. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for hearing our prayer, healing, healing of arthritis tonight. Thank you, O Lord, our God. Just allow that, the warmth of the Holy Spirit, just release the tendons, the muscles right now. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the healing of the knee and for the ankle. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for somebody has, a, I call it a heartache, but it's around the heart. There's a pain. And I don't know if that's with digestion or just an emotional trauma that even happened 10 years ago. I just break that link now. Maybe you don't even recognize it, but it's 10 years that happened, but it's affecting your health right now. I just break that in the spirit realm and just, we just glorify the name of the Holy of Holies. Come, Yeshua. Come, Divine Mother, Our Lady. Come, St. Joseph. Come, Padre Pio. Come, Padre Ranra. Come, 
sanctities. Come, all you angels and saints, may our temple, the Holy Spirit, within us be a host of the glory of God. And may the good Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and yours and grant you shalom, his peace, his rest. And I bless you as your spiritual father in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. May this pause tonight be a pause for the rest of your life to recognize who you are in God and God's spirit. George, congratulations. What a beautiful talk tonight. What a beautiful journey you've experienced in sharing it with us. And Barbara Rose, thank you for your sharings also. And you, our listeners, for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next week. God bless you all. God bless you.